Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi, everyone. Welcome to With Wit. I have a fantastic episode for you today. But before we get into this mental health-related episode, I wanted to do a little quick check-in. How is everybody doing? I know I cannot hear your answers, but I really sincerely hope you are doing well today. And if not, I hope you have someone or something, an activity, a favorite juice, a snack, a book, a movie, a show, something that you can lean into for support. You might have seen a post on my Instagram or heard me talk about it on here before. We've been doing a wellness challenge on and off, and it's a game that Timmy made up that we do with our friends. It has really helped me so much with forming new healthy habits. I highly recommend it. First, you pick the amount of time you'll run your challenge. Then each player will choose four activities of wellness. It can literally be anything. In this round, mind are meditating, taking my medicine and vitamins, exercising slash moving my body for 30 minutes, and then reading for 30 minutes. Each day you get one point, max four, for each of the activities you do. Whoever has the most points at the end wins. It's fun and it gives some positive pressure to take care of yourself. So I've really been focusing on those things lately and it's been making my head and my body just feel so much lighter. In other news, we are about to go on our next summer family adventure. So excited to get out of this San Fernando Valley heat. I always forget how hot it gets here. The summer has been so great, but the on and off of Sunny's schedule has been tricky from camp to no school to school camp to play dates to blah, blah, blah. You guys know all the parents deal with this summer stress situation of the lack of schedule. I posted a video not too long ago of an activity he and I did on my computer. It was a virtual Amazon Explore experience to meet Maras and other fascinating Argentinian animals in Buenos Aires Echo Park. He loved it. And not only was it really fun bonding time for us, but also he learned a lot about animals. He loves animals, loves going to the zoo. Parents, if you're having a hard time with the end of summer, kids aren't back in school and you're looking for activities with your kids to celebrate the end of summer and kick off the school year, head to amazon.com slash explore now through 9-11 to check out their 
50% off sale just in time for back to school. They have so many live streaming experiences for the whole family, including picturesque Prague, visit the old town of the Czech Republic's capital and enchanting Rialto, a stroll through the markets of Venice. I am going to get our lineup ready as soon as I finish this. I saw a jewelry making course in Paris that looks like so much fun. Enough about what we're doing. Let me tell you about my amazing guests. I chatted with Justin Zorn and Lee Mars all about their research and new book, Golden. Justin is a senior advisor at CEPR, which is the Center for Economic and Policy Research in Washington, D.C., and is a meditation teacher and policymaker for the U.S. Congress. Wow. And Lee is a leadership and collaboration consultant teaching experimental mindsets at NASA, Harvard, Google, Ikea, and the Green Science Policy Institute. Their book, Golden, The Power of Silence in the World of Noise, is a field guide to getting beyond the noise, not just the noise in our ears, but also on our screens and in our heads. Drawing on lessons from neuroscience, business, spirituality, politics, and the arts, Lee and Justin explore why auditory, informational, and internal silence is essential for physical health, mental clarity, ecological sustainability, and a vibrant community. Here are Justin and Lee. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm really, really good. I'm so excited to chat with you both. You too. Thanks for having us, Wade. I feel like this has been on our calendar for a long time. So it's like the much anticipated (laughs) conversation. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Well, hopefully I can live up to all the expectations. (laughs) Mental health has become a huge theme in my life and therefore my podcast because my podcast pretty much mirrors whatever is going on in my life and what I feel like is important to talk about. And I think mental health is one of the most important things that we can take care of and shed light on. So I feel like this with you two, though, is a little bit of a different take on mindfulness considering your backgrounds and what it is you do now. But before we get started, I thought it would be best just for you guys to share a little bit about yourselves and and how you met. Well, I'll start us off with it. So my name is Lee Mars, and I've been describing myself as a collaboration consultant, leadership coach mostly because there wasn't quite a a phrase to describe what I do, but I pull groups together that have a shared interest and they're usually from different sectors to collaborate on something meaningful, important, like groups have come together to work on climate change together, where I facilitate that process and try to get all their voices in and have, have them chart a new way forward or to remove toxic chemicals from the product lines and things like that. So chemists and NGOs and government entities and businesses that are trying to do the right thing and to work on getting those items out of our homes and out of our environments. So that's my work. And I've been doing that work when I was introduced by a mutual friend of ours named Sarah. I don't know why. (laughs) We're so grateful to her. She was actually a friend and midwife, and she midwifed this relationship into being by introducing us because of our shared work. So maybe Justin, you can pick up from there. (laughs) <laughs> thank you, Lee. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Wit. I've worked really at the intersection of politics and social issues on one hand, environmental, cultural, economic issues. And then on the other hand, contemplative life, mindfulness and meditation. So I taught meditation on Capitol Hill in D.C. while I was also working as legislative director for three members of Congress there in the U.S. House of Representatives. 
So I've always been interested in this kind of unusual nexus between politics, policy, social action, and contemplative life. And Lee and I have a shared interest in this. You know, this book, this process, really came about when we were both feeling a little bit stuck. Like things just weren't working in terms of creative ideas, in terms of people coming together around difficult issues, Mm -hmm. like what Lee mentioned, the types of issues we've been working on. Mm -hmm. And we had this feeling like the reason things felt so stuck in our work, in terms of the work we cared about in the world, was simply because we were all so caught up in noise. Mm -hmm. The literal auditory noisiness of the world, Mm -hmm. our workplaces, open offices, but also the informational noise, the amount of sound and stimulus we were receiving from pinging notifications on our phones and email requests, and the amount of news we were trying to process, and how that was also translating into the amount of internal noise we were dealing with how the auditory and informational noise, the noise in our ears and on our screens, meant more noise in our heads. Mm -hmm. So we became interested in studying this interplay between all these different types of noise in our world today. So interesting. We had this connection. And the other piece that we we share, we're in, in families, we have young kids, and we're trying to navigate this world, not just as good workers, but as good humans, you know, right. and family members. And right. so that full, that, that concern was really multidimensional for us. So what we did is we wrote an article for Harvard Business Review with this idea that silence had something to offer us and that maybe the answers didn't come in more thinking and talking. Mm. And that ended up resonating with people really to our surprise, I mean, widely. So it was shared and it went viral. And this was like an interesting and important signal to us that perhaps we'd hit upon something that was needed. So we took our time, we took a few steps back and thought about what what would it take to connect, you know, as co-authors and to do a deeper exploration. And then we, of course, set out on that journey. But we started by following the cookie crumbs of just people who seemed interested in silence, talking to a wide cast of characters, neuroscientists, activists, poets, executives, national politicians, a man incarcerated on death row for a crime he didn't commit, Mm -hmm. a Grammy-winning opera singer, heavy metal front man, a cowboy lumberjack, and an Air Force (laughs) lieutenant colonel, like many, many fascinating people who really had a deep appreciation for silence and were speaking to it, how the clarity it offers, the healing it offers, the perspective it offers in their lives. We asked all of them, what's the deepest silence you've ever known? Mm -hmm. And their responses helped shape this book by pointing us in the direction of all their stories, all their insights, and the diverse range in ways we find silence in this very noisy world. Okay, now a word from our partner. School's almost back in session, as we've been saying a lot in these ads, which means lots of germs. Let's face it, pink eye and earaches are some of the most inconvenient. A few months ago, Sunny got a horrible ear infection when we were at the beach, and it caused a chain reaction of difficulties. I'd wish we had Similison earache relief while we waited for a doc appointment. It was voted number one ear pain relief brand by pharmacists for eight years in a row and helps soothe earache symptoms with a unique combination of natural active ingredients like 
chamomile. This and Similison Pink Eye Relief, the number one best-selling pink eye drop, are essential for your medicine cabinet during the school year. Find Similison products at any major retailer, Walmart, Amazon, Target, CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, etc. When your family needs relief from pink eye or an earache, choose Similison. Made with natural active ingredients, not harsh chemicals, so you can feel good about feeling better. Similison is sold at a store near you in the eye care and ear care aisle. The Similison team wants you to be prepared for the school year, so they are offering a sweepstakes for a $500 Visa gift card and a Similison School Essentials prize pack. Go to similisonusa.com slash win to enter. That's S-I-M-I-L-A-S-A-N-U-S-A dot com slash win to enter and use code with wit in your entry. Okay. In my humble opinion, there is nothing better than winding down early, right? Tonight, I actually made a business dinner at 530 just so I could be home early enough to get Sunny to bed and really get my full eight hours or more of sleep. Even better than eight hours of amazing sleep is when you feel cute doing it. I've talked to you about Printfresh before. Printfresh is a woman-owned luxury sleepwear and lifestyle brand made for lovers of pattern and seekers of cozy. Created by textile designer and fashion entrepreneur Amy Veloshin, Flora and Fauna is brought to life on organic cotton loungewear and statement-making home decor that is full of personality. They have nightgowns, dresses, robes, sets, sleep shirts, and more. Last time I talked to you about their super fun headbands, I got a couple wearing one now. It's the most amazing thing for when I don't want my hair on my face during the day. But from bedding and wallpaper to sleepwear and accessories, there's truly something for everyone who loves everything print. The best part is they have a large range of sizes, extra small to 6X, plus free exchanges so you can easily return to find the perfect fit. With the new season around the corner, Printfresh is welcoming autumn-inspired pajamas and robes perfect for cozy season. So head to printfresh.com slash wit or use code wit for 15% off your first order and let the sweet, cute dreams begin. Now back to the chat. Silence is such a simplified term, right? But implementing it in a useful way is a different thing. So first, what were some of the examples of how these people found silence? And then can we talk about how we actually implement this mindfulness and the silence in our own lives? Totally. Yeah. When we first started, as Lee mentioned, exploring this topic, we were thinking about this kind of literal quiet in our ears. Uh And we were thinking about experiences we had both had, you know, like the stillness on a snowy mountain Mm -hmm. on a quiet morning or the balmy sunrise over a serene ocean. But then when we started exploring this question with all these extraordinary diverse people, as Lee just mentioned, they told us about all these moments with that weren't even necessarily auditorily quiet. You know, they told us about births and deaths and moments of awe You know, they told us about the 4 a.m. mark at an all-night dance party or running the perfect line through Roaring Rapids. We heard of someone even who found the deepest states of internal silence, carving sculptures with a roaring chainsaw on logs of wood. And we were like, what is this? Are we asking the wrong question? We were thinking about silence. But as we started having these conversations, we realized this exploration brought people to a subjective phenomenon 
something that each of us knows for ourselves what it feels like to be in this place where nothing is making claims on our consciousness, where there's nothing interfering with our true perception and intention. And we started exploring this question of like, what is silence with neuroscientists and psychiatrists and academic researchers and psychology? And the answer we found was that there might not even be such a thing of silence in the human mind. Like a human mind is always buzzing and churning, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. It means we're alive. And likewise, we're not even sure there's such a thing as silence in this whole universe. We looked at the example of a, a composer in the mid-20th century who went into an anechoic chamber, which is a totally soundless booth. And when he got there, he heard two sounds, one high-pitched and one low-pitched. And he complained to the engineer who was running it. He said, hey, this thing isn't actually working as advertised. And they said, no, no, it is. The high-pitched sound is your nervous system in operation. The low-pitched sound is your blood in circulation. Oh, wow. Interesting. So we explore this question, like, in a world where there might not be such a thing as the total absence of sound, can there be such a thing as silence? Mm -hmm. And what we found is that the answer is yes. It's the absence of noise, which is unwanted distraction, mm -hmm. which is unwanted interference with our perception and with our intention. Mm -hmm. What we also found in all these conversations that there's a deeper level to the silence. And that's even deeper than the absence of noise. There's a silence that's a presence unto itself. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were really interested in with. Yeah, no, that it's it's so interesting because for me, I look for silence in my meditation. That's something like that I actively do each day. And like you said, there are thoughts that come in and you try not to judge yourself for having those <clears throat> thoughts come in and you just like sit there in that silence and those are your moments for yourself. But what I'm so curious about is how we can bring those moments of silence and those moments of quiet into our daily lives where, like you said, there may not be auditory actual silence. I said to my husband yesterday, Day. And this may sound so simplified, but I was taking Sonny to his Taekwondo lesson. Sonny is my five-year-old son. And I said to Timmy, I really love to go to Taekwondo and just sit there and watch him. And I don't like to be distracted by other moms that want to talk and chit chat. And that may seem unfriendly of me. That may seem closed off of me. But for me, like that's my time to really watch him and see what he's up to and learn about him. And like, I just want to watch without being a quote, bitch for lack of a better term and Timmy was like have fun like you know trying to do that at this class but I really do try to do it in my life but it's a hard thing to deliberately do you know when our lives are so constantly running around and like you said we have the emails we have the pings we have the friends we have the needs like we're constantly being pulled in a million different directions and I find it so hard to be silent without somebody else sacrificing from it. Does that make sense? That all makes so much sense. And you guys, <laughs> there's so many great points you're making. And I'll hit on a few things. Like, for example, I just want to start with meditation. You, you What we yes. really wanted, so glad that you have practice and we come from previous meditation practices. We consider ourselves lapsed meditators at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. but we're really interested, to your point, in something that is just even more simplified, even more 
you know, to be found in any moment, less formalities, less rules, less tools, more adaptable to our lives in all different kinds of phases and stages that could be found in a moment like the one you described so beautifully of just watching your son do Aikido. Like, I, that sounds like bliss to me. And it, that is really the essence of this book is about really noticing what brings us that sense of calm and quiet and focus leaving out the noise of the world. And we can maybe go into more definitions of that in a second. But what are the things that bring us true quiet? So we spoke with a professor of biobehavioral health and medicine. He's the one who pointed us to that direction and gave us the example that Justin just shared of the chainsaw carver who finds his quiet and his bliss with a roaring engine and <laughs> and wood bits flying everywhere. Right. So the thing for your listeners to, just to invite them into is really what does bring you quiet? It, it might be a surprising thing like chainsaw carving. You wouldn't expect a thing like just being able to be present to your son through that class. And so to really honor that, like, and then when we talk about that in relationship to others, how can that be that we might be able to actually better share time and quiet? Might there be a, another parent there who's with you on that journey and you can sit with them and you can both just drop into that energy together without, you know, we kind of make a little bit of a pact there or an agreement. I mean, silence is magnified when it's shared. So we just love that. That type of an example is so fruitful because we do need to find our own way to silence and it might be surprising. Yeah. So the other thing you mentioned is a few things about people's experiences. So like the diversity of things with the chainsaw carving to watching your son, that really there are all kinds of moments through flow states, for example, which are really universal. The psychologist, the Hungarian-American psychologist, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi is the person who coined that term to describe a truly universal experience of a diminished sense of self-reflective thought. That's the internal chatter that's going on. And this focus, increased focus. So let's just say there's a, there's a type of micro flow to you watching your son in his practice, you know, and there's something very, very calming and relaxing and universally known when you sort of lose yourself, lose that sense of time, sense of space, all that and kind of settle into the silence. So just to kind of give some of those. And that's when we spoke with some of these people we mentioned, they did point us, we kind of held a, a softer hold on a definition for silence because it is so subjective, but they gave a few that I'll share here. Yes. Gordon Hempton, who's a acoustic ecologist, we may speak to some other things that he taught us. He describes silence as a think tank for the soul. Roshi Joan Halifax, a pioneering Zen priest and anthropologist calls it the place where the egoic self rattles and scratches, but also where we learn to listen and where we learn to see. Mm -hmm. Pierre Shabdakan, yeah, Pierre Shabdakan, he's a Sufi teacher and mystic, tells us that silence is not silent at all. It is teeming with life and joy and ecstasy, but it's quiet of thoughts of the self. Irish poet and theologian Padre Gotuma, who we just adore, he describes silence as having enough space to ask yourself the really strange questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That reflective space, yeah. 
I mean, I think that's so important. I think a lot of people may be a little bit scared of silence. I'm sure, you know, a lot of people are afraid that if they quiet their brain or quiet their surroundings, that then that's when all the scary things come up. So I'm interested to hear from you how how when one does look for quiet and stillness, which is so beneficial, how they can then shut out those feelings of stress that come along or work with the uncomfortable feelings as opposed to just shutting them out, you know, because I think that's what would inhibit people from actually sitting down and connecting to their silence is just like all the scary feelings that they fear will come up. We have a chapter in the book called Why Silence is Scary. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's something that we often assume is like just specific to digital native generations and Gen Z. Totally. But it's really deep. Mm-hmm. It actually runs really deep. You know, Nietzsche almost 200 years ago wrote about the horror of the vacuum of why human beings are so scared of silence. Yeah. And there was, a, there was a study in 2014 at the University of Virginia where a social psychologist put undergraduate students alone in a room for 15 minutes with no phones, no entertainment. They couldn't talk to each other. And he gave them the choice of whether they wanted to sit in silence or shock themselves with a painful electric shock. And at the beginning, everyone said they'd rather sit in silence, of course. But by the end of the 15 minutes, more than 60% of the men and 25% of the women had shocked themselves rather than sit alone in silence. Mm-hmm. So this is something that's really ingrained in, in human nature. Yes. And what we look at in the book is that silence is often scary because it's where we have to face ourselves. Right. It's where we have to sit with you know, you could think of it simply as the to-do list, all that we have to do, mm-hmm. but all the work there is to do in the world, all the work there is to do in ourselves. And a big part of that way is dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. And we don't minimize the trauma at all. I mean, the story you just told us about is real and that's so serious. And as a culture, we've so often been trained to look for diversion to look for how to pick up the cell phone mm-hmm. or turn on the TV mm-hmm. or start a chit-chat conversation like you were talking about with the other moms at Taekwondo. Right. Not there's anything wrong with that. Like we're all about, you know, having human connection. Yeah, of course. <laughs> not a book about solitude or running away to monasteries at all. Mm-hmm. It's just a book about appreciating and respecting silence within mm-hmm. this world. And that in this world of so much stress and feeling of scarcity, there's an abundance that's all around us that we could tune into by simply taking a moment to step outside and tune into the silence. And we, we talk about the, the, the message of this book as notice noise, tune into silence. And like there's, even though we explore the economics of noise in this book and the neuroscience and the science of why silence is so good for us and all these practical strategies, we really condense the book and summarize the message of this book in this like three-step process. Like pay attention to all these different forms of noise, auditory, informational, internal interference that show up in our lives. And study, actively study how to navigate them. And then the second step is notice the small pockets of peace that live amidst all the sound and stimulus. And then seek these spaces, savor them. Go as deeply into the silence that we could find moment to moment 
in our day, go as deeply as you possibly can, even when the silence is only present for a few seconds, you know, or for a few minutes, like being able to just rest and focus on the Taekwondo, you know, your son. And then the third step we look at is cultivate spaces of profound silence, even what we call rapturous silence from time to time. So if you get a chance, you know, maybe it's once a year to go deep into the woods or to go deep into a meditation retreat or to create your own inexpensive meditation retreat, or some people find it through psychedelic or entheogenic experiences. And there's all different pathways that people can find to encounter this kind of rapturous silence. So we explore the, the renewing power of that. So basically notice the noise, find little pockets of silence, and then from time to time, find the bigger, deeper silence that can reset the nervous system. Okay, now let's pause for an ad. Once Upon a Farm is the leading baby food and kids snacks brand offering organic cold-pressed fruit and veggie pouches, dairy-free smoothies, overnight oats, plant-rich meals, and more. Made with whole farm fresh ingredients and no added sugars, concentrates, or anything artificial. Their subscription offering is fully customizable so you can pick and choose from their wide variety of blends or meals and switch it up before every delivery. Sonny is a massive fan. He has been for so long and honestly, me too. Our fridge is always stocked. His fave flavor is the pineapple, banana, and dragon fruit immunity blend. These fresh refrigerated grab-and-go pouches can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere. Pack in a lunchbox, bring as an after-school snack in the car, take to soccer practice or to the park slash playground slash playdate, etc. Their new immunity blends are made with nutrition-packed superfoods like elderberry and dragon fruit and probiotics to help support your little ones. With blends like green kale and apples, strawberry banana swirl, and wild rumpus avocado, there's something for everyone. Inspire a lifetime of healthy eating with Once Upon a Farm, found at retailers nationwide and online. Get started today and enjoy an additional 35% off your first subscription order. Use code WITHWIT at onceuponafarmorganics.com. That's onceuponafarmorganics.com. Okay, school's just around the corner. Did the summer fly by for you? I feel like we all say that every time, but it's true. Our parents always excited about it? I am. I crave our routines. One of my favorite companies I've learned about through this podcast is OutSchool. It offers live, online, and interactive classes for kids ages 3 to 18. With the widest variety of subjects and teachers, they have something for any kid. From solving magical math mysteries, creating unicorn art, or experimenting with edible chemistry, kids can find answers that will fuel their imagination and help them excel at OutSchool. Sunny loves anything hands-on. Art is a success each time. Every kid has a unique way of learning. That's why OutSchool offers live classes with flexible schedules, learning pods, one-on-one tutoring, and more. OutSchool's learning environment is fun, friendly, and connects kids with teachers and other kids worldwide. A whole community of new friends is just a click away. Set learning free. Head over to outschool.com withwit and use code withwit to learn more and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T- S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash with wit to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash with wit. Use code with wit. That's O-U-T 
S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash with wit to save $15 on your child's first class. And now back to our combo. What would you say are some of the, the benefits of finding this silence? Yeah, we think about that a lot. And we actually turn to some thinkers in here in the world of justice and environment. And in particular, we look to Gandhi, who actually took every Monday to be silent. And he would still attend meetings and conferences and things to get to gather information, but he didn't speak. So every Monday, despite the scale of work he was up to and the pressures and the contentious nature of all of that, he decided to have Mondays be silent so that he could kind of pull back and find that place of discernment, the real, the truth is how he speaks to a seeker of truth must be silent, he says. So that's, that was his approach. And we really take that to heart and noticed in our own lives that that ability to just kind of pull back a bit, to not fill the space with words and more thinking and more talking and doing can offer us the ability to discern the noise from the signal, the signal, which we really do want to be following. So it's of the utmost importance in terms of doing the work we want to do in the world. I've noticed also just in terms of kindness and relationships and being in right relationship with others. When I'm in a place of a lot of noise, irritability shows up. And I, you know, I'm not generally an irritable person. It's a telltale signal when irritability shows up that I'm flooded with noise. So my relationships suffer. I mean, and we also feel that there's, that there's a healing capacity to silence, to just not, again, naming and labeling and trying to talk things through, to just be with something. With grief, for example, my father passed away not long ago from COVID. And the real, it was a complicated, yeah, thank you for saying that, but it's a complicated situation when I share in the book. And really the greatest comfort was silence. The words mm-hmm. came later, but the silence was mm-hmm. what first comforted me. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I also lost my dad nine years ago. Mm. And I have felt that with grief, it's one of those things where it's totally like an independent journey. At least it has been for me. There's nothing that anybody can really say or do that's going to make me feel better or bring him back, obviously. But it's more taking that time for myself to really just like remember him and honor him and like feel his presence. And that's when I feel like I can move on and not be so stuck in my grief. You know, it's just taking that solo time to really like honor him and be in my own feelings about it. But I also, I love what you said about, about Gandhi with the silent Mondays, because it makes me, it triggered something in me because something I've been working on is to be less reactive. I think so much of our social interactions are all about like, how are we going to respond or what are we going to say next? Or how do we keep the conversation flowing? And you're not necessarily paying attention to what the person is saying, your environment around you. And so I think that is so important to really make sure that you're honoring yourself and how you really want to move next. Because when you're so reactionary, you're likely moving from a place of being unaware, you know, not being like totally in tune with how you want to behave. You're just behaving how you think you should. So I think that's really important. Like even as simple as 
getting an email and wanting to write back right away and it triggering you and wanting to just like immediately solve the issue and saying like the faster I do this, the quicker it's going to get done. But then you take a step back and you're like, wait, if I do this really quick, if I do this really fast, is the outcome going to be what I want? You know, is is my tone going to get across the way that I really want it to? So I think a lot of what you said is really just being aware that you don't have to be so reactionary. You don't have to show up the way that you think everybody expects you to show up, right? It really can be on your own terms. Totally. Yeah. There's a there's the quote we share in the book that's usually attributed to the Holocaust survivor and psychologist Viktor Frankl. Between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. It's like, what a radical thing, because we usually interpret freedom, we think about freedom as a chance to say whatever we want to say, do whatever we want to do. But there's a deeper level to freedom that's like, do we actually have the volition within ourselves? Are we really exercising free will? Right. We talk with, in the book with a guy named Cyrus Habib, who's the son of Iranian immigrants to the U.S. And he went blind when he was eight years old and learned Braille and went on to become a Rhodes Scholar and go to Yale Law School. And he became the lieutenant governor of Washington State when he was really young. He was in his 30s. And everyone thought Cyrus was going to run for governor of the U.S. Senate. And he made an announcement one day about his next move. And he said he was taking a vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience as a novice Jesuit priest. And everyone was like, what? What? <laughs> and we, like, we, we talked to Cyrus like while he was still the lieutenant governor of Washington. And then we talked to him after like becoming a novice Jesuit priest. And he takes us through like going into this silent study retreat right after leaving the lieutenant governor's office. And it's like this total elimination by it of auditory noise, of informational noise. He has no computer, no phone, nothing. He's gone from like the most intense work life to having like nothing, just silence and a little bit of reading and contemplation. But he told us it was like this heaping, hearty serving he had to deal with of internal noise. Mm -hmm. His noise was just unbelievably loud inside himself because mm -hmm. he was just like, what did I just do? This was right. crazy. What do people right. think? They think I'm totally nuts. And all these and all these thoughts. And he realized when his internal world was so noisy because he was basing his whole sense of self-worth on what other people thought of him. Right. And he was performing for other people. And like you were saying just now about the reactivity of the mind. He was noticing insofar as the mind is all focused on what other people are thinking or how does this look? There's that attitude of performing. There's that mode of constant reactivity. And he realized the reason he made this like wild decision in the first place wasn't so he could withdraw from society. He said he wasn't becoming a monk. He was doing it so that he could tune into a mode of action that was fundamentally based on discernment, based on not looking good on Twitter, not looking good in the press release, but really wanting to solve problems in the deepest possible sense. 
So it's like a whole different mode of being. And it's a mode that depends on silence. Like Lee was talking about it with Gandhi, you know, in the middle of like the most intense life, life anyone could imagine what Gandhi was doing, you know, in the thirties and forties, like he was spending every Monday in silence every week. There was just a whole mode of being that is so different from the way that we're trained to be. Because the way that we're trained to be is like, not just like how our schools are, not just how our culture is, but it's the way our whole economy is. The way we measure value according to business cycles and the measurement of GDP, for example, growth of the product is like how much stuff we're producing and how much sound and stimulation we're producing. But like so much of what makes for humans thriving is in the silence, is in that moment, just quietly watching your son do Taekwondo or being in nature. Okay, and now a word from our sponsor. As you are all learning in this episode and frequently on my podcast, it's essential to prioritize your mental health and wellness every day, especially during the chaos of the school year. When you work on yourself, you and your kids will see positive changes in all areas of your life. The long-term effects of therapy can give you the tools to deal with challenges as they arise, strengthen your relationships, and give you a more optimistic outlook on life. I've learned how to pinpoint and name my emotions better than ever. There's no better time to invest in yourself than right now. Getting started is the most challenging but most important part. There's no need to wait until something goes wrong in your life to work with a therapist. Of course, Talkspace is also there to help you with any specific challenges you might face. It's the number one online therapy platform with thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Your therapist can help you set and achieve your goals. We're here to continue supporting all the amazing parents out there. So as a listener, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com and make sure to use the code WIT to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's WIT and Talkspace.com. Currently organizing for our next trip. We are jetting off on next week. Are you in the same boat? Any last minute summer travel plans? I recommend Newly for some fun new looks. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $88 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month, access to thousands of styles for more than 300 brands in a range of sizes, fast, free shipping and returns, and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility, and the option to buy what you love at a discount. Newly is designed to give you everything you need to get inspired, get creative, and explore your style. Check out new trends, silhouettes, and sizes without any commitments. It's perfect for bringing your closet up to speed this summer. So say yes to all the summer trends, all your sets, your crochet, your checker print, your neons, your pinks, without feeling that fast fashion ick. Newly is already a great value at $88 a month for any six styles, but right now you can get $10 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code with wit10. Just go to newly.com that's n u u l y newly with two u's and enter the code with wit10 and sign up to get $10 off your first month. That's n u u l y.com newly with two u's with code with wit10. 
Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code with wit 10. Okay, now back to our chat. As someone that works for myself, sometimes I feel like I'm only going to receive the amount that I put out. So for me, there's this need to constantly put out more and more and more. And so I just wonder how I can like reel that back in and tune in more to the quiet and the silence and who I really am without this like external pressure from other people. But it's like, it's also not only external pressure from other people, it's pressure from myself to reach certain goals and get to this level of success that I want to get to. But it's, it's so hard when you just feel like you have to constantly be putting stuff out there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. One way we think of it is like, asking people why do the best ideas often happen in the shower there's a few things in there it's like if some of it is really maybe trying to address that myth that it's uh, that everything we create is in that doing 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 right. kind of thing right. and and really to remind us of that shower moment and all the moments that where actually we gain some perspective on something maybe we've been really in a log jam with you know, when we actually step away. So reminding ourselves of what that which we already know to be true and questioning that sort of grind mentality that the only way to do it is to be in the grind of it. So that's one thing. Another thing we say to folks who are working, especially, you know, there's a way in which we can really get wrapped up in things if we feel like it's a life or death situation, which the chemists I work with who are dealing with toxic chemicals certainly feel, and it is yeah. true. We'll say to them, slow down. There isn't much time. Mm. So what that's about is actually, it is so important, this issue that you're taking on, that we need to slow down and really do this right. Maybe we could uh, surmise that Gandhi was doing something like that. Slow down. There isn't much time or be quiet. It's time to listen. You know, it's time to really see what's happening here. So to, to have a life that has both, you know, that has that place of engagement, which we're very interested in, but enough space for contemplation and reflection and refinement. So that's one place we take people. The other thing is to really look at what is within our sphere of control, what is within our sphere of influence, and that which is outside of our control and influence that we may need to just release and let go of in life. So where can we take charge of the noise, mitigate it accordingly? And where can we better, more frequently attune to silence, whether it's in micro moments, which we sometimes call the healthy successor to the smoke break. It used to be that the smoke break was this place, one of those places where if I, I'm an ex-smoker, I confess it in the book. I loved smoking. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved the entire ritual around it. I loved the quiet it gave me. I was working at the inhale and the exhale. That's where I learned how to breathe deeply. Mm -hmm. And it was in crisis work, which is what I was working in the time. It was that time to really get perspective Mm -hmm. and all kinds of ideas would come in, all kinds of ways to come back and be better in service in that crisis work. Mm -hmm. So when we lost that, when we lost the smoke break, we also lost little pockets of silence throughout the day. Many of us, those of us who quit, and I'm glad I did, don't get me wrong. (laughs) But now what is the healthy successor for that? What can we bring into and sprinkle throughout our day? 
And of course, we, you know, we go into the, some of those ideas, a few of them we can kind yes, of please. I'd love, yeah. to I'd love for you to share those ideas that can be relatable to our listeners. But I'm also so curious about how the two of you sprinkle in the moments of silence and quiet into your lives. Okay, I'll start us off with some of those things that for me, I'm a dance teacher, choreographer, as well as writing and doing this consulting. So for me, auditory loudness, you know, a great thump and beat. Yeah, dancing for <laughs> and me just like too. drop, yeah, yeah, just drop it all away and focus in on the moves and the, you know, just the joy of it is one of those ways. So there is always time for a three minute dance party. I profess <laughs> there's always time for a three minute dance party. And so that is one of those ways mm-hmm. that I find my silence. I need to do that more. Totally. I mean, I have two two-year-olds. I have twins at home and a five-year-old too. Oh. So it's like, my world is joyful and also like really, really loud at home. So a big part of the work for me is just like, as I was talking about before, like how can we go as deep as possible into the moments of silence when they arise, when they grace our lives? Like, is it possible to just find that two minutes when everyone's happy, when I don't have a work meeting (laughs) and go as deeply as I can to just listen? There's this tradition from India called Nada Yoga, the science of just listening, just tuning into the sound of nothing in particular, to the sound of silence. And researchers at Duke University Medical School have found just recently that just listening to silence can activate the auditory cortex in the brain and actually enhance the development of neurons in the part of the brain, the hippocampus, most directly related with memory. So this act of just simply listening to the silence can be so valuable. So we go into a range of different practices, how to do this in motion, like Lee mentioned, that silence isn't always stillness. And one of the big approaches we look at in the book is the idea of being able to find these little micro moments in transitions. There's There's an ancient Japanese aesthetic principle called ma. And ma means the space in between, the moments between words spoken among friends, the moments, the intervals between notes and music, the space between brush strokes and art, or an ikebana flower arranging. And we look at ma as not just empty space, but pure potentiality. So we look, for example, at how can we find moments of ma within our day, like when we open a door to go into the other room, can we just stop and have just a micro moment of silence? When getting a glass of water, can we just stop and yes, maybe take a breath. That's a wonderful thing to do, but also notice the silence. Notice the ma as it's arising. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, there are so many ways that you can do it when you actually take a look at what your day entails. This has been so amazing. You two are so wonderful and I could talk to you for hours. I don't want to take more of your time, but tell everybody where they can find more about you and find your book, Golden. Sure, you can find the book, Golden, The Power of Silence in a World of Noise, anywhere where you find books these days. Our publisher in the United States is HarperCollins and in the UK, it's Penguin in the UK, and it'll be coming out in other foreign languages in the years to come, Amazing. 14 others. And then we're found in Astrea Strategies. So that's A-S-T-R-E-A, AstreaStrategies.com is our 
consultancy and you can contact us there. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney E. Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets.